He's a first-generation multimedia journalist. We're just uh, trying to work through some technical difficulties here. He's an advocate for local sports coverage in northeastern Wisconsin. They're going to be talking about this matchup on both sides of the Fox River for quite some time. He's five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing, and has hardly a trace of athletic ability. Keep in mind, I once scored three touchdowns in the first half of a junior varsity game. This is the Andrew Pekarik Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome in once again to another edition of the podcast back in its regular Thursday slot once again. Thanks for joining me and if this is the first time you're tuning in, welcome. If this is not your first time, welcome as well. You know how we do things around here. And what a fun week it was last week to start off the high school football season in northeastern Wisconsin. Good to get back in the swing of things underneath the lights whether that be Thursday or Friday night with some unique starts we've had to the season here in the Green Bay area. Lots of fun, and I sure know how to pick them because right off the bat, first game I attend, overtime. That's right. That's the type of year it's going to be a jam-packed, action-packed, fun all the way around season I think uh, we have in store for us. But have another great show in store for you. Going to talk about last week's matchups, what I saw, what I thought, and also discuss and preview what's going to be happening in week two around the area. Also discuss my travels and how PrepsAgenda.com is doing. But before I get to that, we have an outstanding guest here today. Um, one of the, the better all-around high school athletes and just better all-around high school athletes just a, as a person overall, very humble that I've ever had a chance to be around. He would be a Schwabenon legend. I would call him legend at this point, James Morgan. Of course, doing some great things at the next level, the collegiate level. And stop and think about this for a minute. There's 128 Division I college football programs in the country. Means there's about 128 starting quarterbacks in the country at that level. You know, that's pretty good company to be in. And to think that you have a local kid from the Green Bay area um, as one of those starters entering the college football season, I think that's pretty uh, cool overall. Just, just to see him go about, have that dream, and uh, taking the steps there. So we'll discuss a lot of things that have been going on with James at, at the college level, getting those initial starts last year, and now entering the season at, as Bowling Green as the tab starter for the Falcons. They'll be playing Michigan State in their opener September 2nd. So really appreciated uh, getting a chance to catch up with James. And as you know the story, an outstanding player at Schwabnon did great things there. One of the strongest arms I've seen at the high school level in this area and probably ever will see. And uh, obviously living up to that building at the next level as well with the opportunity. So enough of my rambling. You want to hear from James. That's why you tuned in. So here's my conversation with Schwabnon alum and current Bowling Green quarterback, James Morgan. Um, James, just kind of discuss how exciting this is going to be in a couple weeks heading into Michigan State season opener for Bowling Green. I don't know if you put it in perspective. You're not thinking about it, but for the folks back in Green Bay, it's pretty cool to think a local kid is one of 128 quarterbacks entering the college football season as a starter. I know you're not thinking about it, but in terms of that little kid in you, like how amazing is that to think that you're going to be one of those individuals? A pretty rare job to have, but you have uh, slotted down one. Just what's that mean to you? 
No, definitely. I think uh, I think it's a great opportunity. You know, it's something that uh, growing up was always a goal of mine, and uh, now that I'm given the chance to do it, I'm going to try to make the most of it uh, and put in as much work as I can to, to have a successful year and everything and uh, do the best I can with my team. And uh, I'm very excited about it. Um, absolutely can't wait to get going with play Michigan State in two weeks here, and uh, it's going to be a great environment, and uh, feel good about where we're at. Now, obviously, there was a lot of advice or stuff you heard about trying to prepare for that level of football and then redshirting and kind of seeing how things are run at that level. But, like, what's something you wish somebody would have told you a couple of years ago entering college football or just you didn't think of or it might even be a little humorous thing even just to think about, but, like, what's something that you wish uh, you would have known a few years ago heading into this level? Sure. Um, well, I think probably one of the, the biggest things uh, – you know, I, I learned a lot from our first staff uh, and our first uh, our first people when they were here for a year. I, not necessarily the staff, more so the uh, the players who were there. They went to the MAC Championship 2015 first year I was there, um, and uh, it was it was just kind of interesting to see how they did and kind of learn how uh, you know like a championship caliber team did that. And it's something that you know me and my teammates have been trying to emulate. Uh, I don't know if there's necessarily a, a single thing uh, that I can pin down, but I will say that transition from high school to college uh, is definitely um, in terms of a preparation level you have a lot more opportunities to do that with uh, with college you know the, the resources that you're given the, the scouting reports uh, film uh, practice film uh, all that stuff uh, you know it's, it's great to have and I think that uh, I, I really didn't have the perspective when I uh, when I went to college and, and when I got that it just kind of reiterated that you just got to prepare um, you know, all the time and, uh, and always get to be the best that you can be, I guess. So that's probably one thing that was kind of eye-opening for me when I entered college. I'll come back around to things specifically with your team this year. Looking forward to um, competing in the MAC once again and building off the experience you gained last year in seven starts. But I, I would be remiss without maybe starting off, not even with the Ashwaubenon football aspect, Ashwaubenon track and field, one of the three sports you competed <laughs> at as a senior and a junior uh, winning a state championship to end your high school career in track and field in the 1,600-meter relay. You kind of didn't go out for track initially in high school, but in hindsight, and I know with um, working with uh, Scotty Smith over at Synergy, working on that speed, that quick uh, twitch muscle, Like, what did you ultimately get out of your track and field experience in high school that has translated and helped you in the pocket at college now about Bowling Green? Oh, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I think that was a great experience for me. Um, I was really happy I decided to do that. I had some uh, great teammates, great coaches. You know, I know Jose is doing really well right now, and the other guys are doing pretty successfully too. I know John uh, goes to St. Norbert. Uh, I think Nate's at uh, Wisconsin. But, uh, no, I think that was a great experience for me, and especially just kind of getting it um, uh, kind of the end of the high school career. You know, I think we won state the day before uh, the season, or not the season, but the school year ended, uh, which, which was crazy. You know, senior year, the day before we won state, which is absolutely awesome. Um, but, you know, if anything, I think that's one thing that I maybe gained from that was, uh, you know, my whole kind of high school career I was kind of branded as a, a pocket-style quarterback. And uh, and it was nice to be able to win an event that, you know, you had to, to be passed to win. You know, it's kind of a different style than uh, than what I was branded as. And uh, it felt really good to get that kind of as, a, you know, like kind of prove the critics wrong type of thing. And I know it was 400 out of 100, but – definitely gave me some confidence going into high school that I, you know, I can open it up a little bit if I get in the field. 
Now, I imagine you still pretty much keep tabs on what's going on with that Shravan because uh, um, you've got a younger brother who'll be coming up through the high school system soon, but also your dad's still heavily working with that football program, specifically the quarterbacks. And it's pretty cool to think that you came through and then you had Will Ark that followed, and then after Will came Ryan Johnson. All three of you guys, Division One or Division Two level quarterbacks with, with those two individuals going on to the UP at the Division Two level with Michigan Tech and Northern Michigan, respectively. And right now, Coach Jonas has uh, labeled Anthony Gracio Quattro for uh, kind of the fourth in line. He feels that Anthony, it's up to Anthony if he wants to pursue that route. But I, I went to practice. He looks like the same body type as pretty much all of you guys, tall, lengthy uh, kid with, with a strong arm. Like, what's in the water right now at a Schwab run that you just seem to be producing those quarterbacks at a fast rate like that? No, uh, you know, I think it's been really cool, uh, you know, kind of like the couple guys that we've we've had through the past couple of years, you know, Will uh, going to Mission Tech, uh, Ryan going to Northern Michigan, and Nancy coming up this year. Um, I think it's a testament to those guys who are really putting in the work, uh, you know, and I'm not sure uh, entirely uh, what's going on, you know, but I know my dad's been working with them, and they've been working really hard on the off season and kind of refining their skills and everything, so... I think they deserve a lot of credit in uh, kind of creating a, a culture where, you know, it's it's, uh, it's a good place for a quarterback to be and uh, continue to get better at his skills. You had a lot of great teammates around you in Ashwabron just year in and year out, whether it's D1, D2, like a lot of guys like, getting chances at the college level. Jared Curtis over at Western Michigan when you're receiving targets back at high school. And then one of your big boys up front that was protecting you, Aaron Service, doing a great job at Syracuse in the running to be uh, on the starting offensive line there with the Orange. Uh, um, besides the mullet back in high school for Aaron, and I know he was a smaller guy at one point in high school, which is hard to believe. Um, just yeah. w- what was it like uh, just texting with him or Facebook or last time you got to catch up with him and, and just seeing the progression that, that he's really taken uh, the past couple of years? Sure. Yeah, well, I think, uh, I think both those guys are doing really well and are just a complete testament to hard work, you know. Um, starting with Jared, he uh, he hurt himself uh, in the last senior year, you know, and, and to come back from that and continue to work and uh, get the opportunity at Western, I'm really happy for him. I think he's he's working as you know as hard as he can. Uh, and then with Aaron, yeah, I mean it's definitely crazy to think about uh, when he was I think a, a sophomore, or junior, or whatever. Uh, you know, he was going to be a, a middle linebacker. Um, he started uh, when he was a freshman. He was he's kind of taller, skinnier guy, and just the amount of work that he put in going through high school and just, uh, you know, he's, he's a beast. You know, it, it, it's crazy the transition that he's gone through. Uh, and I'm really excited for him, too. I think he's going to have a great opportunity over there at Syracuse, like you said, to, uh, to play and to start, um, and hopefully he does some good things. With Aaron going over to Syracuse, pretty unique situation that his senior year and your redshirt freshman year, um, Dino Babers, um, you know, formerly your coach at Bowling Green, the opening was there for Syracuse. It was an opportunity he wanted to take. So he went with that program, and Aaron was one of the first kind of incoming recruits from that class to, to commit and just felt confident And when Babers was trying to recruit him to Bowling Green, just believed in what he was doing. Not so much specifically for, like, your situation or Aaron's, but it's something that comes up a lot with high school kids in Division One football or, or college basketball. Um, obviously, the coaching staffs are looking at you in high school, sophomore year, junior year, kind of getting a scope of like who's up and coming talent. And then obviously, there's coaching changes because they may be looking for other opportunities or a better situation. Whatever it is, they may move on. Like, like how 
difficult is that or just when you look at not just situations you're involved with but you see that across the landscape as far as committing to a program or you're also kind of committed to the coach and staff and obviously um, your situation you're obviously invested in Bowling Green and they were invested in you but it's kind of difficult because you just don't know if that new coach and staff or if there's a transition from somebody completely all the coaching staff like is my spot possibly going to be there am I fit in their system still like dis- discuss like how difficult that can be when there are transi- transitions like that sure well I think when you're looking at places where you need to go um, you know it's, it's important to have the, the right people there in terms of coaching you know the right uh, you know character guys um, high class guys uh, but at the same time you need to make sure that you like the place where you're going uh, as well because just like you said um, you know, the coaching world is a, is a extremely fast-changing landscape, you know, and it's a very success-based um, job and everything. Uh, and so you might end up not uh, being with who you originally thought you were going to be with, and that was my situation. I'm very fortunate uh, to get the staff that we have right now. I think they do a great job, and uh, the transition uh, was, was pretty smooth, and uh, I think they've done a great job working hard to get to the point they're at I don't mean to kind of blow smoke up your butt, but you were one of the most well-spoken high school athletes I ever came across, and, and since your high school days remain that way, I know uh, you're humble and you wouldn't kind of, but you're always very well-spoken, very kind, mature beyond your years. And uh, something that caught my eyes when I was looking at some content in the spring that Bowling Green, the athletic website there, was producing from your, your spring practices. It was a little video clip where you got mic'd up for a practice. You guys were indoors, and within the first 15 to 20 seconds of that clip, um, one of your backs or receivers came back to the huddle, and I don't know if he dropped the pass or what the previous play was, but he's kind of down on himself because he, he didn't perform up to what he felt he could have, and you just kind of said, and this is just a practice, just a spring practice, like, hey, chin up body language, like, just just a sense of, like, hey, like, have the, the walk, the maturity, like, the body language, you know, at all times that, you know, you didn't get that play, you'll get the next one type thing. Just a couple of words you said to him, just as far as noticing that natural leadership you have. Like, where ultimately did you learn that from as a young kid? Because it's, I don't know if you can even be taught that or you just have it. Like, where do you think that naturally comes from for you? Well, I think in my case, it's a combination of uh, some really good influences growing up in terms of my dad always pushing me and uh, and implying those uh, characteristics on me because he demonstrated them himself. Um, and, you know, coaches growing up through high school, um, high school coaches, middle school coaches doing a great job of doing those same things. And then it's nice when you're on a team where it's kind of like everybody's like that. If someone's having a bad day, uh, we pick them up, you know, and it's great to have uh, everybody kind of kind of have each other's back uh, when you're on a team. It kind of feels like a family, and it's, it's great like that. So entering this season, obviously you have the seven starts under your belt, threw for over 2,000 yards, 16 touchdowns last year, so you have a really good feel about what this level of football is now. Like, What have you personally worked on, like a microcosm within your game, something you really concentrated on yourself to, to really improve yourself individually, to make yourself better for your team? Like, What was your big focus this offseason and you're looking forward to um, getting better at for this year? Sure. Um, well, I think the biggest thing for me was, um, you know, last year going into it, uh, I really didn't have a lot of experience and I kind of gradually uh, got that as the year progressed. And I think that that in-game experience really helped. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot different when you're visualizing than when you're in the game. Uh, and I can kind of refine that a little bit. So 
uh, going into this year, I think my biggest thing was just kind of the little details and like the um, specifics of the offense, um, you know, knowing where guys would be at, knowing where the defense would be, and kind of refining those things that I think can make a big difference between a good team and a great team uh, and, and a good quarterback and a great quarterback. And so that's the things that I was trying to really work on. And before I uh, let you go, James, and I really appreciate the time, I'd be remiss without uh, bringing up uh, your siblings. Chris, like I mentioned, uh, is going to be coming up through the ranks. I believe there's an Arrowittig, uh a boy as well in his class, pretty good basketball players. And then your sister, Caitlin, um, sad to see last year she had to miss most of her senior year of basketball, but happy that she got that opportunity late to, to come in and, and had another outstanding soccer season now playing college basketball at UW-Eau Claire. So amongst the Morgan kids, I mean, who – who who is the best Morgan child overall? Would your parents say? <laughs> you know, I that's, uh, that question could be answered differently by uh, depending on who you ask. All three different answers, but uh, no, I'm really excited for Caitlin. Uh, you know, she uh, that was that was really hard for her, I'm sure, with uh, you know hurting her leg, but able to come back. It was awesome to see. I'm really grateful. Grateful she got the opportunity to, to come back when she did play soccer, and now going to Eau Claire, and uh, I think she's really excited about it. Um, I think she'll do great there. And then Christopher too. He's Always working, you know. He's he's uh, pushed himself really hard, and I, uh, I'm really excited to see where his future takes him as well. So, um, happy to see those guys uh, doing well in their respective uh, sports and whatnot. <laughs> so, James, uh, like you mentioned, September second at Michigan State Bowling Green, opening up the season there. And besides, uh, um, getting the reins of that offense. Um, early on in your college career, also doing an outstanding job academically because I almost forgot to mention all-max scholar athlete as well. Just where's uh, your your studies focused on or as far as the most important yeah. thing about at college, like what are how has that part been for you so far? Uh, it's great with uh, with our program. They set us up for success like tremendously. They got tutors available. They got uh, people who are monitoring your classes, seeing how you're doing. And so it's, it's a great situation. It's a great program. Uh, to have where we have the people helping you like we do um, and currently I am uh, going to go into like a pre-law program uh, and, and hopefully go to law school in a couple of years. All right. Well, well, thanks again so much for the time, James. I know that the folks back in Green Bay are following you, and we look in whether it's the Big Ten Network when you're playing Michigan State or Northwestern or, or a lot of those Mac, Mac games are on whatever ESPN channel they are. I, I know a lot of people, I'm not the only one, I'll look forward to seeing those. Hey, well, I really once again, I want to thank James Morgan for taking some time uh, out of his preparation and getting ready for the season to, to speak with me. Really, really appreciate it. It was great catching up with him. And once again, uh, one of the most humble and just well-spoken um, high school and now collegiate athletes. I've, I've gotten a chance to be around one of the better ones, I dare say, uh, that the Green Bay area has ever produced. And look forward to seeing what he can do this season with Bowling Green, uh, entering the season once again as their starting quarterback. Wish him the best of luck. And the one thing when I think of James from his high school career and obviously the strong arm, just un uncommon uh, arm strength for a high school quarterback to have, um, isn't necessarily something on the football field. I mentioned the state title. He got an opportunity to win as a member of the 1600 relay team in track and field this senior year. It wasn't that. Um, it was more so just the fact of uh, the highlight from his uh, senior football season, that playoff game at Superior. And uh, his mom up in the stands on that catch that Sam Wisniewski made, that circus catch around the defender's back, and his mom yelling out, What? A? catch I mean that's the thing that first pops in the mind when I when I think of James Morgan and particularly his high school 
career. I'm hoping he does uh, bigger and better things, continuing to do that at Bowling Green and maybe beyond, uh, and maybe I'll have uh, something else. But for whatever reason, that's always going to be ingrained uh, as one of the first things that pops in my head when I think about Mr. Morgan. So once again, thank him uh, for joining me and some, taking some time out. And again, wish him the best of luck. And Ashwabanon, big game this week in the Fox River Classic Conference. Uh, Friday night matchup, back to the traditional Friday night for Ashwabanon and Notre Dame. Of course, every game in the Fox River Classic Conference contested on Thursday night last week. And there's four FRCC games on Thursday night again, but there's one on Friday night, and that would be Ashwabanon paying a visit to Notre Dame. That should be a good matchup overall. Notre Dame coming off... A win on the road over Sheboygan South. Cruised in that one. Obviously, a lot of new faces. Nash Robinon coming off that tough, close uh, home loss to Green Bay. Preble, who if you watched, cheap plug here for WFRV Channel 5 High School Sports Extra with Ryan Rodig. If you watched that show, their debut show of the season on Saturday night, I was a guest on there, and you saw me predict, go on record, that Green Bay Preble is my favorite this year to win the Fox River Classic Conference. Mind you, my uh, prediction's usually not so well, so I hope that's not a bad omen for Preble, but if you're mad that I picked Preble and not your school in the FRCC, maybe that's a good thing. We'll have to wait and see, but I was just really impressed, as you've read and heard me uh, uh, talk about in a podcast uh, a couple weeks ago with Henry Guile, their outstanding running back. Um, just that offensive line, that's a big offensive line, and their experienced seniors across the board have played together uh, for quite a while. I think that could be the difference for them, but you'll have to wait and see. So Preble, big win off the bat in week one against Ashwabernon as they just kind of try to figure out. I don't know if I want to right now go back and do a complete look back of my thoughts of week one or start previewing week two or how I want to get into it. So I'll just try to bunch and uh, get my thoughts in line here. I guess I'll start off with where I was at last Thursday at Pulaski. Happy to be out in Pocatown once again. Uh, great game between Green Bay Southwest and Pulaski. It's why I went there. Two very different styles of teams, but very good teams. Playoff teams from a year ago, and they put together a dandy as Green Bay Southwest rallies to get the overtime win, 21-20. And just a weird night for opening night because, I mean, it's the middle of August, and there's the dark clouds. I know to the southern part of the region, like for some of those Manitowoc and Sheboygan games with the FRCC teams, they got dumped on with rain. It stayed dry, even though it was very cloudy and dark in Pulaski until about the third quarter. And then that wind really started to swirl. And it was just like a steady swirling drizzle that came down. It felt much like late October and not the middle of August, to say the least. And I'll get back to the FRCC action I saw last week to kind of summarize my thoughts. But Friday night, kind of the same deal, just drier weather, but cloudy once again. I was in Luxembourg, of course, and a very weird August night. It was very cold. I wish I had a hooded sweatshirt on, actually. It was pretty cool and, and breezy. Not horribly cold, but I mean very, very unusual weather. So I don't know what that means for the later portions of the season, but I think you all agree that very unusual weather. But back to Pulaski Southwest, 
unusual to see a no huddle offense going up against a single wing offense. Two different styles collide. And Plasky, uh, they uh, put together 90 plays. I wasn't going to say run 90 plays because they did pass a couple times, but 90 plays total they ran in that overtime matchup. So they kind of controlled and did their style of game and all but a handful of plays. This was Plasky's game. They controlled the clock. They controlled the ball, made minimal mistakes, forced some turnovers. But Green Bay Southwest, junior quarterback Nick Howard, a couple big passes, and that ended up being the difference. And then uh, in that overtime period, Plasky scores first. There's some confusion as to their protection. They were running a guy on late, and then there was a penalty. And unfortunately, uh, the extra point doesn't go through. So they're up by a touchdown, no extra point. Nick Howard and Noah Schmidt. And Green Bay Southwest with uh, one of their soccer players doing double duty this year. They got a couple soccer guys um, doing the honors of that extra point. So that's helping them out. The, the rough thing, though, this week, though, uh, co-head coach Pat Wallace said from Southwest is those soccer guys actually have a soccer game this Thursday night. So they can't be there. So they kind of are going to have to dig deep into the depth chart to, to look into their kicking game this week when Southwest hosts the pier in uh, another big FRCC game. Uh, coming up on Thursday night, so that'll be interesting to watch. But the rest of the week one action, I mentioned Ashrobinon and Preble. Preble getting the win there, and Henry Guile, the University of Iowa recruit, no surprise, big game from him. Bayport rolls over Sheboygan North, as did Notre Dame against Sheboygan South. And the pier gets a win over uh, a improved Manitowoc team, a closer game, 23-13, to but that was your FRCC scoreboard from week one. And I'll come back and kind of, I guess, maybe go by conference a little bit here. But looking ahead to week two, all the things that stand out to me from the past week and looking forward ahead is the pier. Getting that win over Manitowoc right off the bat, considering the circumstances of where they were at, um, went to practice the first week of practice, Coach Chad Michaelowitz confident they had to replace their quarterback, but felt pretty sure that junior Landon Kirby was going to be their guy at that point. They go into their scrimmage. They were scrimmaging Kimberly Stevens Point. A lot of good teams out there. About the fourth or fifth play of the scrimmage, Kirby goes down. Unfortunately, ends up being an ACL tear. They got to go to the JV squad. Steps in a sophomore, Christian Bostic, stepping in. Big, tall kid, strong arm, and had a nice first game in that win against Manitowoc. Three touchdowns, had an interception. Imagine some happy feet going on for him in the pocket, as you can imagine, being a sophomore in that situation. So I'll be interested to watch with the peer because their defense is extremely, extremely young. Talented, but extremely young. Sophomores, a lot of sophomores in that front seven for the peer. They were expecting that. Um, kind of a junior-laden Offensive line, for the most part, a lot of guys who got experience last year because of injuries. But the skilled guys around on offense are supposed to be the more experienced part with uh, Gavin Knott at receiver, Nate Bronick at running back, and then you got a junior at least at quarterback who doesn't have the varsity experience, but you would assume, assume kind of have that that leadership from having two years in the system, and then he goes down with the injury, and now you have to have a sophomore in there. So um, not the situation that Michaelowitz envisioned, but he kind of was with this before a few years ago. If you remember Emmett Kulik, his senior year, lots of experience, second game of the year, breaks his collarbone against Green Bay Notre Dame. In steps Cole Runge, and a year later the Redbirds win the conference title. See, long term, 
you know how this works out because the pier may be a stretch for them it's going to be take a lot of effort for these young kids mature to get to the playoffs but long term in the next couple of years they've got a lot of sophomores playing a lot of juniors playing so next year and even a year after this is going to be an experienced bunch but coach michael it's obviously not the situation he wanted at quarterback but making do of of the situation his team was dealt well first and foremost you feel terrible for Landon. he's he worked so hard. He, he won over. Not only that, he win the you know the the, the the privilege of being the quarterback of our football team, but he won over the locker room as, as kind of a leader. And uh, you know, we, we certainly felt that he was going to be um, a top level type of kid in the in the conference for us. But with him going down, Christian was a kid. After his freshman year, we knew we had something coming up. I mean, he's he's his size is if you're you know we said in the preseason if you were when we were talking about both our quarterbacks if you're going to draw up you know your prototypical quarterback you would he would look just like Christian you know he's 6'2 and huge arms so he got thrust into into the role suddenly I mean Landon went down on the fifth play of the scrimmage so he Christian hops over from the JV scrimmage to the varsity and he ended up throwing two touchdowns um, against Bash. Um, so we knew he he had the goods and, and was capable, but you never know. I mean, he's the funny thing was I was thinking about the weekend before the first week I was going to well, call Christian and have him come over and watch film with me, and I'm like, well, this kid doesn't even have his driver's license, and he's going to be the quarterback of our football team. So that was uh, kind of a jerk back to reality, but he's he's awesome. He had a he had a, a phenomenal first game. We had to water the playbook down, but, you know, that's unfortunately, you know, like I texted, unfortunately I've been through this before, or fortunately, however you want to look at it. So we, it's going to be a very similar progression where the playbook was wide open for Landon, playbook was wide open for Emmett Kulik, and uh, we gave it to, to Cole and Doses, and, you know, a, a positive is Chris is going to be here for three years, so, you know, the, the sky's the limit for him, both um, athletically and, and obviously being able to grasp our offense, the directions we're going to be able to take this thing over time is going to be an exciting thing to watch, but he's got playmakers all around him. Like I told you, preseason, Gavin and Nate are two of the best players in the conference. And they stepped up and they both had they both had big nights. And DePierre will be playing a visit to Green Bay Southwest Dolan Family Stadium on Thursday night. Should be a good matchup. Pair of teams that got uh, wins in Week 1. The rest of the FRCC action um, coming up in Week 2. Sheboygan South at Bayport. Plasky at Sheboygan North. And that Ashwaubenon at Green Bay Notre Dame matchup. Should be an interesting one. I know Ashwaubenon with the loss in Week 1. But overall, I think Preble is just the class of the conference maybe. And for Ashwaubenon to hang with them, only an eight-point loss. I think that's a, a strong start for them, as strange as that may sound in a loss. But I know Ashwaubenon, some young kids. Um, that defensive unit, I think, will come on late. And Anthony Gracio is only going to get better as he gets more starts at the varsity level under his belt at quarterback. So FRCC action, past and present. Um, some fun things to watch overall. And we'll kind of skip right along to the NEC, the Northeastern Conference, and the team specifically within the Green Bay area. 
Um, of course, I was at Denmark at Luxembourg Castle last week. Two rivals who have uh, kind of jumped from conference to conference, the Packerland, the Bay, and now the NEC. Always a fun rivalry overall. And Luxembourg Casco, of course, the defending NEC champions. Um, some new faces, you know, obviously Garrett Eisen at quarterback and, and things of that nature. But overall, all the size on the line is still there for LC, and that was ultimately the difference in this game. I felt they were just able to wear out Denmark later on in the game because besides uh, the big guy, the state qualifying heavyweight wrestler, Josh Furick, Denmark, not your overly big offensive line, just some good, gritty kids up front in their lines. And I think that that was kind of the difference later on is just getting worn down. But I was really uh, – I was talking with a coach earlier this week and he asked me about you know the area and like what I thought just from looking at the games I was at and watching highlights and things of that nature. And he thought like who impressed me the most from week one. And I said Denmark hands down. I thought they were very impressive in a loss to the Luxembourg Castle. Just given um, as far as that team you know being undersized compared to Luxembourg Castle on the line but Denmark's really athletic on the perimeter so I would look for good things from them trying to make the playoffs for the first time in a couple of years Brady Jens a couple of touchdown catches in that game the first one that made it 14 the 7 in the first half some very athletic moves I think it was a 31 yard touchdown but uh, Jens probably did about 60 yards of running just cutting back and across and making probably about three or four guys miss on his way to the end zone and making that a really close ball game at the half. Uh, Jack Satori, their quarterback at Denmark. Um, Denmark an option team by uh, tradition under Coach Hayes, but this looks to be a team that has potential to actually uh, do some things to the air. So I'll be interested to see how they do against the rest of the NEC slate. And this week, another uh, rivalry game as Denmark travels to Wrightstown. So that would be interesting as far as if Denmark showing good things against Luxembourg Casco can take down a powerhouse program like Wrightstown that was at 23 straight playoff appearances. So that should be a fun one. Meanwhile, Luxembourg Casco playing a build off of, but the biggest um, thing I felt I saw from them and I wrote about is uh, Nathan Koisman, a big uh, standout on the basketball court, six foot three, six foot four kid, uh, first team all conference outside linebacker last year, played a lot of tight end for the Spartans and you know what we're in big number 99 they're lining them up at tailback right off the bat they put together a package late in their preseason practices coach Maney wanted to see more physicality from the group he thought that was the way to do it and it was a an offensive grouping where they knew they were going to get offensive production positive yards each time if they put Koisman back at tailback so you have a big a uh, tall glass of water, a big body like that in the backfield, and you give him the ball straight on, almost had 100 yards in the ground. That will be interesting to see how that works going forward against some other teams that might have bigger lines than what Denmark could present. But an interesting look, I thought, to have a kid of, of that height and size back there. And I was going to tweet out, I forgot to do it. It looks like the rest of the NEC has... 99 problems to worry about and it's called Nate Koisman because wearing big number 99 it just kind of looked different back there but Luxembourg Casco you know not uh, clicking on all cylinders right away as no team would but I, I think they can fully um, have the opportunity to be a favorite and repeat as NEC champions there's little shoot there's freedom and then there's obviously a good Fox Valley Lutheran team that they'll see this week so there's my thoughts from the NEC what's going on out and about and around with them. And I mentioned Wrightstown with Denmark this week. Wrightstown, a big win up at Marinette last week. The Bay Conference, that was highlighted, I felt, by West Pier 
over Shano. A 42-0 victory. Probably not a surprise there. West Pier is just one of those top-level programs that you kind of expect things from that. But I mentioned uh, on the other side of the river, DePierre dealing with an injury at quarterback. West DePierre, a little bit, bit of a different situation across the river uh, with their quarterback situation. They got two good ones. They got junior John Edinger. And then they've got freshman Josh Blount. So you have a Division three team. It's not like West DePierre just to stick a, a freshman out in their lineup anywhere on the field, let alone at an important position like quarterback. But Coach Jack Batten of West DePierre said before the season, hey, we've got these two athletic kids. We're going to see who's going to be our guy uh, as far as under center. But if one shows he can be the quarterback, we're going to have to get the other one on the field right away because they're just that good of athletes and Edinger and Blount both kind of in similar situations in that they're older sisters, pretty good, uh, solid standout players for uh, basketball and volleyball at West Appear. So they've got, I guess, some leadership bloodlines within them based on what their older sisters did in athletics. So that may just translate over to um, playing quarterback. But uh, Coach Batten, two athletic kids, nice problem to have. And he kind of explains how he came about with uh, kind of rotating these guys last week against Shano. Here's what I ended up with. I, um, I sat down and I made a list of our 11 best players on offense. And both Josh Blount and John Enger made the list. So the next question became, how do I get them both on the field? What I decided to do is... Uh, they're both going to be on the field at the same time. So when one is playing quarterback, the other is playing split in. Um, so they've learned both positions. And uh, they both know all of the plays. Now, there are certain plays that uh, one might be better at running than the other. So uh, we have a signaling system in, in terms of which quarterback we want playing when and where and uh seemed to work okay for the first game. So we'll continue to see how that quarterback mix plays out West Pier. They host New London in their home opener this week. Other Bay Conference action, Appleton Xavier will be at Green Bay East at City Stadium on that new turf field. And Green Bay West travels to Seymour, of course. Seymour, a big win over Green Bay East in Week 1. Uh, Devin Vervoort, a uh, big game overall for the Thunder. So those are my thoughts from the Bay Conference from this past week. And now moving on to, I guess, I don't want to say uh, the alphabet soup of conferences, but maybe one of the more longer acronyms you're going to see around the state in the M-O-N-L-P-C-Large. Kind of it all stands for the M-O, Northern Lakes, Packland Conference, Large overall, as I wrote about this past week on PrepsAgenda.com uh, with the Kind of a lot of eight-player teams coming up in those smaller schools. It throws some wrinkles in the different conferences and the latest large-scale realignment that uh, um, struck the northeastern Wisconsin area a couple years ago. I left uh, the Packland Conference with only five 11-player teams and the M&O and Northern Lakes uh, dealing with a lot of teams going to eight-player football. So everybody's kind of looking to help on each other. So they came up, all the athletic directors of schools, with the solution, hey, let's come together. Let's put our biggest schools for 11-player football in one conference, our smaller 11-player schools in another conference, and then anybody playing eight-player football in another. And I think it's a solid solution as far as the WIA kind of doing realignment always and then forgetting about the smaller schools just kind of as leftover pieces and they have to fend for themselves. So for the Packerland teams, the 11-player teams, it's nice to see that they don't have to play a lot of their opponents twice in the conference just so they can fill out their 
conference schedule and be playoff eligible still. So it's nice to see the Packland teams combining with Peshtigo and Coleman. And Peshtigo is uh, with all the Packland teams for every um, sport regardless now is a full-pledged member of the Packland first year for that. But I think it's it's going to be a strong conference here for the foreseeable future with those squads. I know Coleman, they lost a lot of experience, a big senior class last year, particularly a lot of experienced linemen from their three straight MNO Conference Championship teams. So going to be a young team. They've got uh, an experienced backfield coming back. But Peshtigo, very good team. Oconto from the Packland, much improved. They made the playoffs again. Lots of guys returning. But Southern Door, probably your favorite once again. The two-time Packland Conference champions. They can score points. They can stop teams. Um, unbelievable matchup in uh, week one. Uh, besides the Plasky Southwest game, I think their game against Winnicani maybe had tabs for game of the week. 46-40. to 40. Um, Southern Door kind of clicking on all cylinders offensively. Defense maybe has some work to do, but They've got a Derek LeCaptain, the big guy in the backfield, a junior, just an outstanding player, over 400 yards, or over 400 all-purpose yards when you take into account returns, receiving, and rushing yards, four total touchdowns. So he'll be one to watch. I just think pound for pound in big schools or small schools, LeCaptain, I'd put him in my top five players from the area this year. I just think he's that good. And um, by the end of the season, I think there's going to, not to put pressure on the kid or anything like that, but just what I've seen from him in person in the past and following what he's done. And he's been playing since his freshman year. I still remember the Kiwani Southern Door game I was at two years ago. I looked at the roster after he scored a touchdown. I'm like, well, this kid's a senior. He'll be graduated next year. And I looked, he's a freshman only. And he's like 200 some pounds and just cruising down the field already. I, I think he's got Division one potential there because uh, just an outstanding player for the Eagles. So looking forward to this alignment overall. And, I, and I'd be remiss without mentioning Kiwani as well. Big senior class this year, 18 seniors for a school of about 300 kids. That's a, a big senior class uh, for them in any school that size. So looking forward to what's going to happen in this MONLPC large. And I still haven't made a mistake in pronouncing that, but I know at some point I will get the abbreviation messed up and closing out with excuse me eight player football NEW Lutheran picking up a win last week over Gillette a new varsity newcomer to eight player football and Wasaki also another new varsity um, program to eight player football I mentioned Gillette and Wasaki from the MNO um, moving their varsity programs to eight player but uh, their JV or their their freshman level the reserve um, teams they've been playing eight player in the MNO for those levels for a few years now. So just trying to build up the numbers once again. Sevastopol is at Wasaki this week and NEW Lutheran at Gibraltar. Those two teams have developed a nice rivalry uh, with eight player football over the years. So there you go, my complete kind of recap. Quick listen to you, get to know what's going on, what all the other teams are. Uh, um, a taste of uh, all the conferences and things of that nature. Let me know what you think of the podcast, what you want to listen to more or listen to less of with me. But I uh, just wanted to give my thoughts quickly as I jot down my chicken scratch for the week of things that stick out to me. But once again, thank you for clicking on prepsagenda.com and sharing that with your friends and family, whoever. Really, really appreciate that. If you haven't already, follow or like the Preps Agenda Facebook page. That's where I'll post the story updates when they're up so that way you can check that out and know and comment and share and do all those fun things. Uh, one fun thing I unveiled this past week that I'm going to continue to do is what I like to call stand-ins in the stands. 
That's right. It's Rankins for the fans. Um, as I wrote on there, not a big fan of Rankins because you see team Rankins and this and that, and this school is number one in this division and what that that's great and all. That's just opinions. And you know what? A couple months from now, nobody's going to remember who's ranked number one or whatever in whatever division and conference. It's all about who wins conference titles, who can be hoisting those state championship trophies at Camp Randall Stadium or make deep playoff runs is what people remember. But I felt I should have some type of rankings on the site, so that's why I came up with each week. I'll kind of rank the the fans. Uh, whoever sends me the best picks, best stuff, I'll rank them, give them my thoughts, a little bit of the humorous side, nothing to take seriously here. So I ranked the top five. You can check that out. Maybe your num- the number one spot this week might not be what you expect, but I think it's well-deserved for what I did there, so I won't spoil it. If you haven't, check it out. If you did, share it. I hope you enjoyed that, little things like that. But just continuing to post articles and just talk with coaches. Going to have some features coming up here next week as well and things like this very podcast with my guest James Morgan today. So once again, thanks for joining me on the podcast. And once again, follow the Facebook page Preps Agenda and also add me on Snapchat. And if you aren't already, follow me on Twitter. That's just the first and last name, Andrew Pekarik, P-E-K-A-R-E-K. Once again, thanks for all the support. Um, I'm having fun just doing this just as far as uh like I said before, I, I guess I'm very limited in hobbies. I don't hunt, I don't fish, that type of stuff. But I enjoy on a Thursday or Friday night, this time of year, being at a high school football game, taking stats, video, taking photos. I got a new camera, but honestly, as I'm recording this, it's still in the box. To be determined if the next couple of days I actually take it out of the box and and uh, try it out here because it's a new nice camera. So that way some of my images will be much, much clearer that I'll be putting online. But let me know what you think of the site and everything. Uh, send me a message, a direct message if you have any cool story ideas. There's always those individuals um, as far as young people doing some incredible things or overcoming some incredible things in their young lives. Already. Let me know about those individuals. I'd love to cover them overall. But once again, just want to thank you for the support. And like I said earlier in the show, if you didn't check it out, um, go out to wearegreenbay.com, WFRV Channel 5's homepage, and, and you can watch the segment I was on with Ryan Rodig this past Saturday night, just kind of putting my thoughts and feelings all out there about uh, what's transpired, I guess, of me and just the media industry overall going forward. And all I promise to do is do the best I can because I'm just one person and continue to do that because uh, that's all I do. So. Thanks once again, and I'm going to quit rambling. But if you see me at a game, check it out. And once again, fans, tweet me, Snapchat me, or tag me. I want to see pictures of what you guys are doing out there, and I'll rank them next week. But for now, I'm out.